been thinking about this for a long time, actually. But what what is really got to change for Christians right now is we got to remember that faith is a verb. If you listen to people talk about faith, they're going to say, you got to have faith like it's a noun, like it's an object you possess. Now, certainly you can look back in your life, you can say there were times where you, quote unquote, had faith. But what happened at those times? Those were times where you believed something, where you, better said, trusted someone, hopefully. And in those moments of faithfulness to the promises of God, over and against, say, what the world was telling you to believe, well, look, God justified you right then. And so the conversation that we've been arguing about, and we'll probably continue to argue about for a long time, can really be seen in this. The desire to try to make yourself the cause of your own justification. And if you can recognize that that's just never going to be the case, but that God is the cause of your justification, both before your brothers in this life, and then in the life of the world to come through the fire and flames of that last day. Well, now... We don't have to worry about whether or not you're trusting too much in your faith. You're just supposed to know where to put it. Most people don't trust at all in their faith. They know it's quite weak and fragile, so they don't exercise it at all. Oh, look, you do need to exercise your faith. So is it a noun or is it an action? Is it something you do? Is it something you practice? Is it something you are? I suggest that these categories are things that have dominated the question in ways that detract us from the fact that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and that you believe it. That's his work on you. And from there, the categories of Scripture, what Scripture alone says, should be able to suffice for all of us in how we're going to walk together today. Right? Our minds should be able to be brought together around the Scriptures. So if you wonder why things are going so bad, your life, your town, your country, well, I would suggest that life here on this country had a section of it that really wanted to found life on the scriptures. And in so doing, they prayed a lot, a lot for like real stuff. And they sacrificed and they lived hard and they worked for the good of their neighbors, not themselves. And I think God blessed that here because God blesses good things. He always does. He's the author of them. Sometimes he lets evil men prosper too, but that's only for a time until he casts them down. Of course, we as Christians know that this is really going to be fulfilled on the last day and that we cannot have a realized eschatology where we expect a perfect kingdom in this life. Although I would suggest that if you're afraid right now, it's because you've trusted that much in America. And maybe you should question that a little bit today. Uh, I have no intention of suggesting to you that America will not be here tomorrow. I honestly don't know. But what I do know is it's been a weird year. And what I do know is that I've read the Bible a lot more as a result of that. And what I know is that putting your hope in princes, that would be America, uh, whatever side you're arguing for at the moment, well, this is what the Bible says not to do. (laughs) It says, don't do that. It says, instead, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, right? Actually, he says, pray to me because you do not know when I might intervene for you. And although this might throw your, your systematics into a whack, It shouldn't if you know good systematics, but it might if you've got kind of a heterodox systematic. You can't understand how God could change his mind and be omniscient at the same time. Well, you just haven't reckoned with that you're a creature yet. And if you can handle that, like realize you're a creature, it really won't be an issue of, hey, Benjamin, how you doing? It really won't be an issue of uh, whether or not uh, you are able to live. It'll be an issue of God showing you that the first article world is where he puts you. 
This is on purpose. Your life today is not an accident. Your feelings today are not an accident. Do you feel bad? That's not an accident. Is it your sin? Not necessarily. Could it be? Yeah. It could be. Or, or it could be just the fact that you trust a lot of lies and those lies crumble. And as they crumble and you try to push them back up and keep the story of your personal mythology here in America, I'm spiritual, not religious, alive, you find terror, terror on every side. Well, everyone else is saying peace, peace, and you can't figure out why. And I'd suggest to you that's God. <laughs> that's God saying there is no peace. Wake up. You don't know who you've trusted, do you now? You can't even reach him on the phone at all, whoever he might be. Why would you as a Christian believe that this entire situation around us right now is for our good if you're believing it's going to happen according to men? Now, I believe it's all for our good because it's going to happen according to God. But that's why I'm not too worried about the election, even though it's like, dear heavens, there's a couple places in history that this looks similar to. One was like the mid-70s in Argentina. You should just Google it yourself. That's all you got to do. Go look at the mid-70s, uh, mid 1970s Argentina, and you'll see, like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. You could also go look at, like, Spain, uh, all through both civil wars, or, sorry, both civil wars, both, all through both world wars, excuse me there, all through both world wars, and what happened in Spain during that time. And you might think, this looks similar. And if that's the case, I'm just going to commend you one thing this morning. I'm going to commend to you that faith is a verb, and here's something that you should know your Bible says. Here's what it says. It says in, in Proverbs 22, verse 3, A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Now, there's a lot of other things in the context. Proverbs isn't quite as context-driven as everything else. But then again, maybe that's because it needs to be, because that was heavy stuff right there. So the next thing that's really talking about trusting Jesus rather than having this life be the way you want, like that, that is connected, but not directly in like a, they're all the same kind of way, right? But so feel free to spend some time just in chapter 22 to, to check me on this one. I'll just read it again. All I'm doing is reading out loud the Bible and notice how friggin' crazy, excuse me, did I said I might get banned for that. Notice how crazy it is that I might get banned for that, for reading the Bible and not really even commenting on it. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. You do with that what you will this week. <laughs> I'm going to believe that God has amazing plans in store for Christians in America. It just may not be what we think. I don't know if I want to go here yet, but I think it's important. I think I do have to say it. Hmm. Tell me, sons of Solomon, brothers who are Christians and beyond, what's the real right thing to do if an evil empire falls a punishment from God, perhaps, but certainly stopping some of the worst evils that have been done. If that should happen, and those, those worst of all evils should happen, to stop, what is your duty as a citizen? A, a, a plebeian citizen, mind you. Now, America, we've got some weird rights, right? But normally, you're just a serf of the land. That's what we should all remember. We are. If it, Just in the same chapter, it says if you're in debt, you're a slave. So, I mean, come on. Uh, so, we're, we're serfs of the land. What should we do if the king falls? I know it's weird to talk this way. We're not used to talking this way, but you got to think in terms of hierarchies. It's still a hierarchy. What are you going to do if the, if the hierarchy collapses and there's another hierarchy on top that it, it did it, it won? What does that mean? It's over. The war's over. It, what happened? We fell. What does that mean as a Christian? I'm talking hypothetically, and come on. This happens throughout history. What do Christians do? 
They honor the liberator. That's what they do. They don't, they don't say, yay, you destroyed them, but you say, hello, we're good people. It looks like you're in charge now. By the way, have you heard that he has risen from the dead? We'd like to talk to you about that, but until then, what do you need us to do for you? We're trying to just kind of have families here. We want to produce families that have great citizenship. Now, if you're not ready to do that, I'd suggest, again, you maybe have trusted in princes just a tad. Now, I'm not saying that I get America, we got these other rights, right? So, like, I mean, there's that thing, right? But still, your conscience has to reckon with that if you cannot be the swamp fox, and I'm not sure I really want to be, right? Then in these situations where you see your gods crumbling before you, whatever they are, whatever they are, uh, the solution is to believe that you must submit to your king one way or the other. What happens when Jesus lets it happen is his will for you, and you're to be as good a person as you can in that moment. You let your conscience deal with the, the Declaration of Independence. That's what it's supposed to do. It's not up to any one of us to tell you what the Declaration of Independence means. It's just a fact that you're a citizen of America, okay? So, so follow that trend tread on its own, but you're in uncharted waters historically, so just know that too. You're in uncharted waters historically. Uh, so, um, theologically, historically. Uh, and so it's, it's a scary place. It's like, where are we? Is it the end? Is it not? And that's the question a lot of people are going to start asking. You're going to find cults popping up all over the place. Get ready for it and be wary. <laughs> what am I, for goodness sakes? Why are you here? Why are you listening to me? I'm a weirdo far away with a cup of coffee and some color on a screen. And I pull the Bible out once in a while. Did I actually say what it said? How would you know? Did you write it down? Are you going to check later? Or are you just going to trust me? I'm going to suggest to you that if you haven't seen me eye to eye, you might not want to trust me. Not just because not I'm me. That's just kind of like a good rule of thumb for humans. <laughs> kind of. You know, I've never met the man, they used to say. Um, not that we can't have the online world be what it is. It's a great thing. You can make great friends there. I'm suggesting if you're talking about power structures and, you know, super realities, cosmic principles, and what you actually believe is happening right now, um, why would you trust me? Why would you not be asking your own questions, doing your own research? Now, I believe that's why you're listening to me. It's because that's, you know, I'm just doing that and I'm not hiding what I'm thinking. It doesn't mean I'm right. right? It doesn't mean I'm right at all. In fact, I could be desperately wrong. What's what I'm doing in my own heart and head as an attempt to sort of diverge uh, and not be wrong, uh, play the risk management game wisely is I'm trying to imagine every possible scenario that could happen, right? So, so on the one hand, I've got like, we got like an advent by candlelight uh, with this amazing like swell of we all don't have masks and everything's gotten better and we got to be ready to actually get the office back up to make this happen because that's a hard task to just do in a week, right? So who knows? Maybe that happens. And then on the other hand, it's like, oh, oh yeah, Argentina 1970s. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, how do you handle that as a human? I think most people just take the blue pill right now. That's what's, what's happening. Most people are taking the blue pill, which is fine because it's going to pass over most people. And that's what we as Christians need to also know, that the scepter of wickedness comes and goes, but that the, the land remains and on it, the righteous are spared great with great regularity in history with, because they're just the people of the land. They're not actually up in the high places having to fight with the assassins. You're just down farming the earth, right? And so, so you survive and you build again. You know that Christ is going to give you enough to get through, or it's the end of the world, and this is kind of the fun way to gamify it. I mean, if you're really worried about it, like, you, you know, you're, you've just watched too many dystopias, you played too many video games, the only way to imagine the scenario is that it is the end of the world for you? Okay, then. Well, what, what does that mean? It means keep doing the exact same thing Christ says to do in the New Testament with patience and dedication. 
in the belief that it'll escalate itself just fine and it'll probably get to the point where either you're having an amazing time leading people to faith or they're crucifying you, at which point Jesus comes back and it all becomes awesomer still. I mean, I kind of like this as opposed to what I'm hearing from ABC, NBC. Oh, does Fox, did Fox kind of do that? Oh, it's all one big package. Ain't it? I mean, who really is running the... Hmm, wagging, I believe. Wagging the dog is, is the phrase. Wagging the dog. If you haven't seen that movie, watch it before they take it away. Uh, 1984, if you haven't read that book, uh, go get it. <laughs> um, and, you know, make your own decisions. Now, you're not here for that. You're here for the Christianity that wants to assess all of that, right? And so while I tell you that faith, trust is a thing you do by committing your mind with discipline to the scriptures of Jesus Christ over and against the stories of the world, no matter what those stories might be, and that now is a wake-up call for all of us to kind of dig back into that in your historic tradition, which ought to tell you the Bible's true no matter what, and if it's not, you need to find a different historic tradition. And then as we figure out what this means in this generation and we watch the institutions collapse, we might just find our Lord united us in ways we never thought possible. But see, the ecumenical movement of a generation and a half ago, they said, we're going to do it ourselves, and God said, no, you're not, UN. Ha! Look at that. And so what do we have now? We're just on the ground. And this is why the guerrilla warfare idea is right, but it's not the warfare of sword. It's the warfare of words, of ideas. The stupidest thing President Biden has said that I have ever heard is that Antifa is just an idea. That's exactly why it will be here until Jesus gets back. Probably. It's that bad. It's done that much. It didn't start here. I mean, and this is, for, for all of us who would get worried about that, just remember that he has risen is also an idea at this point. And a not, can I say it on YouTube? It's biblically appropriate. It involves sending one to the place of darkness and fire, right? Not that uh, uh, heavenly giftedness, right? It's the other way around with Christ. Anyhow, anyhow. So, second this morning, I want to talk about patience. Patience. Makrothumia in the Greek, although my favorite place to think about what patience means is not just to dig on that word, although digging into word studies in the original languages is something every Christian should aspire to do. I think we live in a day and an age where it is a, it is a crime that we haven't even thought, oh, let's teach the lay people how to read the Bible in the original languages. Why haven't we thought that? You guys are building buildings and flying planes and do all sorts of crazy stuff that's way more difficult than learning how to read the Bible in Greek. If we just did like like the Bible study on Sunday morning in Greek every week, you would learn it. You, you just would. It would take maybe three years. You'd be like looking at stuff, right? Why haven't we done that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But oh, so, so anyhow, well, the, the place to go and dig into Makrothumia, the Greek word, is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, where the full phrase in Greek is parakaleson en pase makrothumia kai didache, which is comfort everybody in patience and teaching. <laughs> Instruction, mm, truth, uh, what Jesus said, that's kind of really what it means. Okay, but, but notice that patience, the inner life internal fortitude to not do something, including talk, right, to just have the mental fortitude to not act on what you felt, which I'd suggest we're, we're kind of lacking these days. Yeah, Patience comes with instruction, which is not like sitting in a classroom being taught. It's imbibing of the narrative, the mythology that's not a mythology of the Bible 
Whatever mythologies you've learned like the backstories to, if you don't know the equivalent in the Bible, you should be ashamed of yourself. I am. I'm starting over going hard. And you know what? It's worth it. <laughs> way better. Way better than any of the other scattered stories. I mean, I still love this one from childhood. But any of the other scattered stories I find, nothing compares to the actual history of Jesus' lineage. There's just nothing like it. So, so in any case, you know, instruction is getting back into the, the identity of that story in your life day by day. Now, this is supposed to be what your pastor is helping you do, and he's bringing that to you with patience from his part, but it's going to create patience on your part because the whole thing, it's about what? Parakaleson. Parakaleo, the paraclete. You ever heard that before? Does that ring a bell at all? Parakaleo, comfort one another with these things. Comfort each other with your patient action or inaction, really, and then conversation drawn directly from the scriptures. Do you remember that story about David Wynn? What if, fathers, you tried this? Try this next time you have to, to like, discipline in some way. If you can. I know you might have lost a lot of this. We gave a bunch of it to you in Sunday school, but most of us did Sunday school by the time we were, whatever, for, for good reason, too, actually. But you still should, like, heard about, like, the flood and stuff, right? So, in any case, try, like, coming up with a Bible story. Like, so your son's like, I did a boom, boom. Right? And you're like, okay, that was so irrational. How do I help him see this? And he said, do you remember the time when, and I don't know, say any story from the Bible, see if you can tell it for five minutes and see if he re- even remembers the problem at the end. And then you can demonstrate to him how short his attention span is and how he knows nothing and should listen to you more and you walk off. And you were just the wise guy, even though you didn't really make a point that made sense. See what I just did there? I mean, slow that down. I'm serious. Rewind that. Slow that down and try it. That was a plan. You'll like it. I promise. Patience. Comfort slowing it down. That's what we're talking about. You can't have patience if you can't slow down. A good friend of mine who uh, I don't want to embarrass, uh, uh, but uh, he reminds me of, of me. He's young and zealous, but he also reminds me a lot of my son because my son is young and zealous. So in this way, he's just a young man. And in this way, he demonstrates young manhood. Good young manhood. The best of young manhood, which is two things. To be very thoughtful and to be very actively ambitious about doing things. And so what happens in youth is that these come of age about the same time. Um, that is, in your 30s, <laughs> right? where you actually are doing both of these things and able to be in control. But up to that point, being able to say, I will be either thoughtful or active, doesn't really exist in the man's life. And he just runs forward, but he's thinking and running at the exact same time. Let me suggest to you that the context you live in as an American male today makes that like on Super Millennium Falcon, Space Time hyperdrive. Not good for your system, guys. Not good for your system. Uh, Slow down. And oh, who's to talk? I'm ahead of you by 10, 15 years. I'm telling you bodily. Slow down. It's going to hurt otherwise when you try. So, knowledge is free. Did you know that? Knowledge is free. God spoke and it came to be. Lies are the idea that there's hidden knowledge. A system like our country built so much on the pain for knowledge and the hiding of it, I would suggest to you cannot stand as a matter of the fourth commandment, as we Lutherans count it, the first article, as you might say it in the creed. Here's the thing. You can enforce man's laws by the sword. 
but only as far as the sword can go, which is expensive. It's like God did this on purpose to stop evil kings from really being able to get away with what they want, that people begin to disobey them when they're no longer punished for it, and it's difficult to make that continue to happen. So, the king's laws only go so far as his ability to make you do them. But this is not the way it is with God, nor Jesus, who is God. It's not the way it is with his laws. His laws actually make you do them. (laughs) Uh, They make you do them by when you do them, the good occurs. And when you don't do them, whatever was good before crumbles beneath your feet until it finally falls apart. And you're, you have time to like repent, but if you don't, you basically, uh, as the Proverbs say of folly, you tear down your house with your own hands. Uh, Again, um, let the reader understand. Watch the news. What's going on? Are you a Christian? Do you believe the Bible or what they're telling you? And what do you believe the Bible says about what they're telling you? That's really where you should be. And it's sad to me that as I say that, I'm a little nervous that somehow this will get me in trouble, like with my church body. That's sad to me. Aren't we all nervous right now? Shouldn't we all be going back to the Bible? Why are we looking over our shoulders in concern that somehow someone on our side will go after us? That's how much brotherhood's been in my church body. And we want to survive this? No matter what it's going to look like, It's going to look like you have to trust somebody. And I hope Christians can start trusting each other, even if we can't come to communion together, which, by the way, I believe that happens and should happen at times. Uh, (laughs) But we should be able to trust each other. And in that way, though, we have to be able to have a common creed. This is kind of the thing. This is why Sons of Solomon exists, to have a common creed, at least for brotherhood in the field, whatever that might look like over the next thousand years. Why not? The ancient creeds are worth holding to. If you don't know the apostles and the Nicene, you should get a hold and memorize them. I say the Nicene every single morning, sometimes two or three times a day. It is a powerful thing. With that said, it's also quite long and does take some time and, dare I say it, discipline to learn. You would need to be a disciple of it to learn it. Even just repeating it every week in church, you can't quite get it. And that's because, again, discipleship and discipline is something different than watching TV, right? And again, I know we've been trained to not know that at all. But before you get to having the Nicene Creed memorized, let me suggest that the way to really achieve long-term goals is not by setting the giantest goal ever, but by setting the small step that would have to take place if that giant thing were to come to pass, and so what Sons of Solomon is doing is recognizing that before we're going to agree, agree about the Augsburg Confession, which is really my real end game here, but before we're going to agree about the Augsburg Confession, uh, you know, <laughs> I have to say it, before we're going to agree about the formula of Concord, which is my actual end game here, although that's like, like pie in the sky in my mind at this point in this history, um, you know, but, but to get to agreement on Augsburg Confession, we got to back up to those creeds. Before we're even to get to those creeds with what Christianity says it is today, we got to get down to the resurrection of Jesus because there's Christians who don't, who don't believe that. And so we have to be able to say you're not a Christian and walk away. Not mad, not angry, just don't trust. Just don't trust the person who doesn't believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. I mean, don't trust them. They're a liar, just like you, only they have no repentance, actually. Like whatever repentance they have from, say, Buddhism is actually for their own good. You can trust a Buddhist a little more, right? Know their religion. Their religion will tell you how much you can trust them. But don't trust them just because. Why would you do that? You should trust a zombie just because? It's kind of weird. You know, I mean, I know people do that, and Walking Dead dealt with that. People can't kill their own family because of the zombie. I mean, that's it's kind of a real thing um, if you're talking about you know ideas that are evil, and uh, that goes bigger than just just Christianity. Hmm. Hmm. 
God's law enforces itself. And so if, if our civilization that we've built, as if you listen to A Brief History of Power with myself and Dr. Kuntz, uh, you're learning, has an epicenter in a state called Delaware that has legal usury, interest rates 40%, um, that is effectively a form of slave bondage that something's being funneled through that every year in the name of America. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of coincidences. It's all coincidences, obviously. Don't, don't take the red pill. Do not do your own research. Keep believing whatever the mainstream media tells you. There's too many crazy people out here. There really are. There's lots of people saying weird stuff. It's like, that can't be true. And you don't want to dig through that. You don't have to actually ask questions and then go to your Bible to find answers. You just want to be told what to think. So just listen to the talking head. Go back. Just listen to the talking head. The strange fire glowing blue in front of your family telling you what life is all about. Or read your Bible. Sons of Solomon, we want you to read your Bible. So that's why to become a son of Solomon, really all you have to do, you never even have to contact us. All you have to do is read nine psalms, in, nine psalms particular ones. Uh, you can find that through links or the comments to today. Um, but it's nine psalms. You read them every day. You get yourself a crucifix, and there's a reason for that. If you don't like the idea, sorry, there's a reason for that. It calls to question one of the most ancient splits in the church. Straight up. And I think that the sacramental divisions between Calvinists and Lutherans go back to the iconoclastic controversy. And frankly, this is the Catholic answer. So, um, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> if we're, if we're going to be Catholic Christians, which is the goal, that's the goal of the Augsburg Confession, is to remain Catholic Christians. We cannot reconcile with the East until we've reconciled with the West. And if we're going to be Catholic Christians, what binds us together is, is he is risen. You are paid for. You are immortal now. He won't be long anyway. <laughs> the water seals it. The bread and wine feed it. Okay. How do you live it? You read the Psalms every day. So, Sons of Solomon, you read those Psalms, you get a crucifix, and you carry your Bible. And you carry a prayer book of some kind with your Bible. And frankly, a bookmark with another verse on it will do. <laughs> if, that's, if that's the small step you need to get, some, get to something more. But I mean, you carry that with you everywhere you go. And you will find you will read your Bible more. You will find that praying the Psalms as if they are your prayers will change your perspective on who you are in God's sight. Because rather than the talking head telling you who you are every night and reminding you, God bless the queen, right? Whoa. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just me being crazy and trying to throw you off. I know that. The reality is that having the Psalter give you the truth rather than whoever you're listening to will turn you into one who wants to see Jesus return, provided you already want to see Jesus return and know the New Testament basic truths that he is risen, you're paid for, you're immortal, he won't be long now. And what I'm banking on is this, that this little tiny stone cast against the mountain of the white noise is more powerful than we can ask or imagine. That these words, without any connection, you never have to contact us, sons of Solomon, you never have, no, go start your own group and give it its own name, I don't even care. Just do the, do the plan. It'll unify Christianity wherever it is. It will. Or, well, well, why do I say it can't? Because as soon as someone says they cannot say yes to the creedal part I said about, right? He has risen, you are paid for. If they can't say yes to that, you know they're not a Christian right there. And then, I mean, you, you kind of, I, I have a good person I've chatted with via the internet who I, I think I respect as a theologian who will not wear a crucifix. Okay, cool. Um, he, did, he, he gave me a thought that I want to ponder in front of you. He said, to call them iconoclasts is not fair. The iconoclastic tr controversy dealt with the smashing of, of idols, not the, um, 
not just the uh, not having of them, right? And so what I'm what, what his position would be is that we simply shouldn't have this, since that would be to break the second commandment, which is to have a graven image, right? A graven image. Um, so the idea that the second commandment is a graven image as opposed to worshiping a false god would be the place I would generally debate, but not just me, the entire course of Western Christian history up to the point where this controversy happened and after this point as well, where this controversy was clearly shown to be a denial of the incarnation, as the East also demonstrates its theology of iconography. So even though they did split, the East continued with the true theology with regard to the iconography. So we have to reckon with that. If you have a TV in your house, if you have a picture on the wall and you won't wear a crucifix, you need to question your worldview. That's it, right? So that's what it's there for. Till you turn the TV off, don't tell me not to wear this or tell people they have to wear it to join, right? Because it will join us to the incarnate theology, which is what leads us to sacramental theology. So for you Lutherans who are listening, yeah, Sons of Solomon's Lutheran's day is long. We're just never going to talk about it. We're just going to do it. You can do it uh, and stop trying to make people think they have to be Lutheran to believe what Lutheranism is. Lutheranism is just what the Bible says, and we're just going to feast on that together and trust it in a time of chaos and decay to unify us. And we're going to start with a, a lower ground than communion fellowship because you, you have to. Communion fellowship is what happens a long time from now, long time from now. Uh, right now, what we need to do is figure out where the Christians are who are going to be pro-life voters going forward, who are going to invest in their neighborhoods and their communities as local people who aren't moving away and are going to try to get their kids to stay too so that they can stop stripping us apart generation by generation as serfs in their debt system. Did I go too fast? I'm sorry. It's, it's recorded. At least for the moment, YouTube hasn't shut us down. And my goal would be to not have that happen. But... If it does happen, and you still would like to know what the plan is, because the plan is just to keep encouraging you to make good decisions where you are with the Bible, uh, you want to get on the Mad Monday's mailing list. This is our newsletter, e-magazine, I don't know what to call it, bulletin, agenda, platform, blah, blah, blah. It comes to your email every single week. We publish it at redfist.com over the course of the week, too. But this list is more important even than the information, because in the event of anything sort of a solar solar flare, which would knock out you know the internet, too, um, we can get a hold of you via your email. And if you get on our email list, then no matter what else they shut down, we can go somewhere and pop up again. Because this is the nice thing about the internet world, you know, <laughs> uh, ideas. They don't just live in books. They can live forever on the internet. You can't even squash it. The more you try to squash it, the more it pops up. Why do you think the chaos is happening? The more the, more the left media doesn't cover all that the right is saying they ought to cover, the more everyone on the right's going to believe they're hiding something. And the more everyone on the right tries to get in and see what they're hiding, the more everyone on the left believes they're a far-right militia group attacking. Ho! Oh, look at that. So you know, no matter how you voted, I recommend you just... What, what do the Proverbs say? <laughs> you read Proverbs? You read Proverbs. Just read Proverbs in general. But I'll tell you where to start. Go to chapter 22. And it's Proverbs 22, verse 3. I'll read it again. Um, I'm going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to do it slow. Uh, give me one second. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and the poor have this in common. Jesus Christ is maker of them all. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. By humility and the fear of the Lord, 
our riches and honor and life. I normally would say Jesus Christ there, so now I'm wanting to say that. <laughs> uh, thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards his breath, that's soul usually, right, will be far from them. This verse everyone knows, right? Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. The rich rules over the poor. And the borrower is the slave to the lender. He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. And the rod of his anger will fail. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. For he gives of his bread to the poor. Cast out the scoffer. And contention will leave. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. There's at least like five in there I don't think we believe. So, like, read it. (laughs) Just read it. And then if you're not praying the Sons of Solomon prayers, uh, get hooked up with that. Oh, here they are. Good. Right in front of me. Morning. In the morning when you wake up, start this way. If you can't do anything else, just read Psalm 123. But you really should be able to give three minutes to this. So read Psalm 123, 125, 127. They are to start your day. They're good stuffs. And then at lunchtime, when you don't feel like this at all, and maybe your work is a little bit scary, that's exactly why you need to remember how much this world oppresses you. So Psalm 124 and 129 are about the fact that Christians live oppressed lives, no matter where we are. We don't whine about it. We're good people, right? Uh, And so, but we pray and we acknowledge that as much as they put their neck Especially as they put their foot on the neck of Israel, Israel's risen from the dead and we're following in his train, right? So that's, that's their day Psalms. Vespers is your first alternate. So if you really want to go into this like with the zeal of a young man, um, we'll do all of it. But if you've got to go easy on yourself at one point, do it before you get home going to dinner, right? That's where the Vespers should take place before you see your kids at the table, if you got them. Before you see your wife, if you have her, before you go to the table alone and pray for the family you hope to have or had. Yeah? Um, Vespers 126 and 128 is about the growth of your community and family. It's about the, the reality of the heritage given to you, promised in 127 in the morning, coming to fruition over the course of your life, not only here, but in eternity, which is why these are such awesome things. And then 130 and 131, the hardest and the easiest at the same time. And frankly, it's a matter of your own self-discipline at that point, because it's about a minute and a half to pray them. Uh, You just go straight through and they basically say, God, I've tried too hard today. I think too highly of myself, but I admit I shouldn't. And I can barely breathe and need to go to sleep now. And like, it's really hard. You got to be a disciple to do it. And yet it's exactly what you need every single time. So I, I highly recommend you to get in get involved with this. Whether or not you want to join the Sons of Solomon, we believe in the Father, and that's where we're going to put our cards uh, going forward. By the way, ladies, uh, daughters of wisdom, there's there's psalms for you too. They're just not written on this card. Um, and if you want to say, how come the ladies don't get the same attention as the men, I'm just going to say to you, um, what did Job say to his wife? And I'm sorry, but that's just the facts, ladies. It's just the facts, and we got to deal with this before it all comes falling down um, straight up. So in that, Here's a principle for you to take home to the bank forever and ever. It's the fourth commandment, but call it this in your head if you like gamifying your life, young men. Call it the Pendragon principle. What's the fourth commandment, sir? Sir, it is the Pendragon principle. Nerds indeed, we rise. In fact, as Christians, we do. Ah, so the Pendragon principle is simply this. There must always be a father. In every group, even a group of ladies, there will appear a matriarch who, while she can never actually be a father, acts as a hierarchical tie. It must happen. It must happen. You can put all the laws you want in place. You can try to force your man-made laws all you want. What must happen is that in any group, there will arise a voice who speaks as the head. 
and that the Bible is pretty clear, a man's going to do this in a group of men and women. No matter what else is happening, a man's going to do this. Even if the woman's talking all the time in a pure matriarchal culture, there's pillow talk somewhere. So uh, the man must then lead his family first and foremost of all. And this is really where it goes down to. What is the father? It's not about being in groups of other people. It's about being among those God gives you as your own. Your legacy, your progeny. Have you read Psalm 127? Have you thought about it? Or did you just dismiss it because you wanted to get ahead with your career? Oh, sorry. I know, but it's true, isn't it now? I did it too. There's forgiveness for this stuff. In any case, you have to then step up to the plate and own what it is. Discipline, ownership, the Pendragon principle. That which is yours is yours. And whatever goes wrong with it, that's on you. And if it wasn't your fault, Job, God meant it for your good. So figure out how it's going to be for the good now. How is Jocko teaching this and not Christians? It's what the Bible says. It's what the Bible says. Good is your answer to the problem. Good is your answer because God sent it to you. The Pendragon principle then takes account of whatever you are given authority of and you treat it like it belongs to Jesus because the Pendragon is not a king and a king at the same time. He is not a prophet and a prophet at the same time. He is not a priest and a priest at the same time. He's a Christian man living between Jesus' resurrection and the time he comes back. He's a Pendragon. I just gamified it for fun. The title doesn't mean anything. He's a father. What is Jesus restoring us to? Prophetship, priesthood, and kingdom? He's restoring us to the father. So what's been unleashed upon the world? in the apostles and the church before all things? Fathers. Fathers who lead with the word of God. That's the Pendragon principle. And I'm going to suggest that then, if you can take that from your family and apply it to any group of men that get together, most of the problems we have will go away. We'll have different problems that the Bible talks about more instead of the ones we keep making up with all of our systems. Just a thought. Can't make it happen overnight. Just apply it to your own heart for a little bit. See what that does to you. And again, Sons of Solomon, here we go. I got more I can share with you, but we're going to get to your questions and answers on the other side of this break. I'm going to take a long drink of water. And um, that made me think of my wife. We'll see you just on the other side of this thing. Remember this? Anybody? Long time ago. I don't know. I don't want to do this right now, but I have to practice it. And the only way to do it is to practice it. Hey, Internet, my name is Jonathan Fisk. There you go. I got that much. And I'm here to rescue you. There you go. That's two lines. In a couple of weeks, we'll have it flat. You have, this is key, you've fallen under the influence. I'm here to wake you up. He is risen. You are paid for. You are immortal now, and he ain't going to be long anyway. Welcome to the Mad Christian Saturday Morning Chill. And hey, look at that. It almost got through to the end there. We're going to take your questions and try to get you biblical answers, both with common sense and the actual Word of God, as we go forward here. Homeschooling mom says this. Good day, Pastor. Good day. We homeschool two daughters. Our children definitely are developing life skills. Horse training, raising healthy production. This is awesome. Butchering. Uh, hunting, gardening, God bless you. Welding, can you move to my town? Mechanic, sewing, and making, really, <laughs> uh, making useful products from animals like leather and soap. They are both involved in 4-H. God bless you. You got a good 4-H. You got a good 4-H. Hey, Christians, wake up. Um, uh, The girls both plan to be wives and mothers when they are grown. Uh, how old are they? My son is nine. Um, <laughs> And he's good man, a little dense, but... 
and he runs fast. Like, you know, anyway, he'll work out probably. Um, my, <laughs> I love the boy. Uh, uh, my question, uh, homeschooling in this crazy fallen world, how do we figure out how much time to devote to textbooks? This is a really good question. Um, what are your thoughts on unschooling and just learning hands off? Of course, reading is most important in our household. Yeah, so I'm I'm super nuts on this one, right? Like we've been we've been crazy for years, and no one noticed. Um, we've been homeschoolers for a long time. We've been through every iteration of schooling you can kind of go to, aside from except from like Catholic school. So we've had a child in public school. We've had a child, same child in uh, parochial school that was just and I worked at just like the parochial school I went to. So the experience there is is extended uh, for me personally. And then we've, we've homeschooled via state, uh, charter school online in Pennsylvania, like a decade plus ago, like 15 years ago. Um, and then we've done, since we got, uh, since we finally stopped having public school as our final experiment, uh, we have done straight homeschool with what my wife could tell you. There's some guy who's like 20 years ahead of us who he says, do it this way. And we're doing that, but we're not doing it because we read about it. Otherwise I'd know his name, but it, it just is what we're doing. Okay. And it sounds a lot like what you're doing. But your question is a big one. How much time do you devote to reading, period, right? What are they reading? And then how, what are you dealing with, like, with textbooks per se? Um, so I'm going to come to textbooks last because I think the rest of where you're at is really, really important to think about. Uh, and that homeschool philosophy, which is that um, learning is an organic reality that reading amplifies. Uh, uh, and the more reading you can do, and then the writing about it, the note taking on it, the more whatever you're learning is amplified. Now, this somehow has transitioned into a cog machine factory mode of dump basic skill sets into you without understanding and shove you out into the industrialized world um, with like a degree in singing. Why? I don't know. I mean, they really sold us down the river, I think, here on these things. But um, you know, have you seen how university presidents live <laughs> in church bodies? I mean it. Uh, so uh, yeah, anyway, um, what we have come to believe then is that, you know, just get the batching aside out of the way. That's wrong. Don't batch kids. Kids are unique. Uh, they, age is the wrong category. If you're going to batch them at all, you got to begin with dividing the sexes and no one's going to talk about even thinking about doing that, right? So you, you back way off. And in the family, it's not even an issue. I'm not going to divide the sexes in terms of what they're learning, until we're starting to talk about what it means to be a man versus be a woman as that's going to be like a actual pass on, not read a book thing for it to really take place. Okay. So there's all that going on behind. What do we actually give them from the modern world? That's really useful. What are those skill sets that did make life better and Christians can make use of? How do we retain these and not lose them as they start burning libraries down, which has happened in the past, or as they start shutting off the connection to various online only available archives, right? I don't know. Or it just costs too much. What if it just costs too much to fix your house? That's how it is for like most of my neighbors south of here. They're, they're white. Um, you go further south and west, there's, there's a black neighborhood that has its own issues there. But, but just south of here, uh, they're white, they're uneducated, they're in debt, and they can't afford to fix anything in their houses and their houses are collapsing. And if they fix their houses, they would just pay more taxes anyway. So they don't. And they live their life. I think there's something like, like ungodly, not about them, but about their rulers, about our country. Uh, about this city, uh, about most of our cities. And I think that, again, eventually that kind of stuff shows what Christians want to do is be able to see it where it is, try to stop it if we can, not whine about it if we can't, and do what is right anyway in our own visible, not hiding, 
offensive, actually, communities. And if offensive on every term, not because we're trying to be, but we are on offense after all. We are trying to survive. Not because we don't think we can. We're pretty confident we're going to because the promises of Jesus are such. And so even if I die, I'm confident that Christianity is going to go on. I'm pretty sure someone from my family will move on. If he decides to stamp out my entire line, I'll take it as a mercy, frankly. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure that the ideas written, the dynasty of what he has already engendered as the actual Christian truth is going to affect wherever we have put our roots. And if you're not digging roots, you can't put them anywhere. Yeah, that's where country music gets a lot more right. They, they drink too much, these guys, but um, they, they do get a lot right about father and mother, I got to say. So bringing it back to homeschool, keeping the kids in contact with their siblings is, I believe, one of the most important things for social growth. So if they're at the same school, hopefully they're seeing each other if they're away from the house. But in the household, that would be number one, is to make sure the kids are teaching each other in some way. Um, that the, immediately the three-year-old should be teaching the one-year-old, that kind of thing. And then from there, the philosophy is uh, they need to read, they need to be able to do uh, math in general. And the further you go in math, the more logical person you're going to be. And so if you want to be wise and make sense, get through like pre-calc if you can. And if you can't, keep trying after you graduate because frankly, there's no graduation from this stuff. What is math? Math is logic training. That's all that it is. It's logic training. Okay, so teach math. And what is reading? It is expansion of the mind training or it's new idea training, right? It's engaging how you think training. What is writing? It's really discernment training at the end of the day. Those things have to be done. And oh, look, it's just the classic core curriculum. What Most people when they say classical, they mean a core curriculum like a canon of what you're supposed to read. I believe more in the canon of the tools you need. And honestly, yes, the classical curriculum has a lot of good things to do with those tools, right? But th- but to get caught up in, have you read this? Have you read this? Have you read this? Um, that's the modern world's way of codifying information like a computer, and you're not one. You're an animal with the spirit of God inside of you. You're, you're, a, you're an enfleshed spirit. You're a mind filled with electricity. Your computer can run circles out of you in remembering trivia, but it cannot run circles out of you in discerning value. (laughs) Uh, It just cannot do that. So that's what you want to train your child to do. The business people will talk about this as being like entrepreneurship. And that's what an entrepreneur is. Someone who discerns value that no one else has yet discerned. Yes. I, I don't care if my kids start businesses and capitalize on this skill. I want the actual skill. I want them to learn to discern value and that all these other things, math, and the logic from it, um, reading, uh, being able to read and go through a variety of different resources and mediums and understand them and engage them, including engaging tech in some way, but with a certain wariness toward it, all of that is a part being able to discern value in their own life, which is all really for Christians about doing the good thing, right? And so, of course, the catechism has to come into play in this. It has to be part of the daily life. My kids are reading the Proverbs and smart learning it. My kids are reading the Psalms every day. My son's doing Sons of Solomon Psalms. Why? Because those are the things. You heard that proverb about train up a child in a way they should go. They will not depart from it. Those are the things you need to be doing then. You can't just quote that proverb and never have them read the Proverbs. Like, that's not what it meant, right? <laughs> so, so put it into practice and then you trust that the Lord's going to engender their life. He's creating their life for them, sustaining their life for them too. And you're giving them the juice that he's promised through you to them, which you know yourself you are receiving. Make that your education plan, wherever you are. And if you can do it at home, I'm going to say it's easier, straight up. It's just easier. No matter what you'd have to sacrifice to get there, get there. And two years later, you'll be like, whoa, life is good.
Yeah, I really think I really think you get there. So, how much do you do with textbooks? It's a very narrow homeschooling question after my my thesis on homeschooling. And why did I do that? It's known from other videos and stuff I've done that I homeschool, but I've never really put my thoughts on the line about what I think homeschooling is. So I just did. Okay, I just did. So that's there. I'll stand by that. Um, you know, disagree, argue, write a book against me, right? Um, that'd be awesome. You make my ideas known. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, you know, share it and be mad. Uh, but from there now, we're going to jump into, that's like the general principle, the first principle, the strategy. We're going to dive down into the tactic. I, I have to now discern the value in a textbook, which is a particular genre of reading, right? So let's put your comic book and your textbook on seventh grade science, right? Um, your textbook, and then let's put a, a fiction book, a novel, right? Uh, and then let's put a, a bit of uh, history, right? And then let's put a bit of maybe poetry or philosophy. And there you have kind of the kinds of book information uh, th- that are readily available to you at your library. Like the, I think those categories are pretty good. I just made them up. I think they're pretty good. There might be one I'm missing. Um, but uh, textbook to me in that set of categories is the least valuable book. But that doesn't mean you don't need them, right? You just got to know what they're for. And like for math, honestly, a, a good textbook, an old one, preferably, not too old, not too new, um, uh, written by Christians is not a bad idea. I know. Why would they lie in the math? <laughs> You're asking the irrational, malicious destroyer of worlds, why? Don't ask that question of him. It's just not what he's doing. There's no why to what he's doing. So yeah, if you can get a Christian written book, better still. I mean, in, in math, uh, this is where math from like the 90s to thousands range, you're just going to get kind of the old way done really well, like the Germans would do it. And then they start introducing philosophy. We use a Christian one that does like Christian stories and the word problems. I don't even care about that. I think word problems, just throw them out the window, learn the basic, you know, complete inside your head logic system, and then play with some tools outside afterwards. That's really what should be happening. Um, and that's, that's what we're doing. So again, textbooks become a very limited resource with probably an hour of the day max. And then that's only like two textbooks and it's a bunch of other books that they're reading. And then, you know, they go crazy on the novels and they, they love the comic books. We try to, uh, I love comic books. Actually, I think it's a great medium and that we dismiss it for like Victorian reasons, which is just so dumb. Um, it's probably a better medium for the masses to learn than print publishing ever will be. And we're so for 500, 500 years. We are, we're only 65 to 100 years behind the pagans on promoting their worldview through picture novels. But, you know, whatever. We're, you know, take it out of their hands. Don't let them play with it, kid, guys. I mean, I don't know, mom. You know, not my mom, but the moms of the world. Why the comic books are evil. But for the, for the unwise man, they are the greatest tool you could have to teach him in the way you should go if you give them the right ones. Um, so in any case, our kids just get kind of read time freely. And whenever they are done with the assigned reading, which includes then say the math textbook, which they then read and by five or six, they're teaching themselves to go through it because that's what we're initially teaching them to do, discern the value in the problem, find the solution. That's all learning is they begin to teach themselves over time and come to us with questions and answers. Um, bah, 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 bah. Once they're done with that, the day is theirs. And my job as a father, I see now, is to provide for them the best warehouse studio workshop I can on my budget. 
right? So I want the tools for basic stuff in all sorts of places from circuitry to, I mean, your list was so awesome. Your list is so awesome. I'm probably going to be a little more of like the, uh, the tech hacker that you need in town to fix the wiring. That's where I'm going. And my kids, they'll explore their own things underneath what I bring to the house. And I'm going to provide that for them while I hold down my vocation locally with the best of my ability and recognizing that's actually part of my service too. Right? So as a pastor, I have a certain come and go freedom. Although my time is basically constantly at the work. Well, that's a pretty nice balance for me. I never have to be anywhere except for when I have to be. Uh, And then when I don't have to be, I can be doing my work anywhere. Um, That is not unique to pastors, by the way, if you're young and looking for a career path. Um, And pastors may not always have it quite where they're getting paid a full salary by their congregation as I currently am. So if you want that path to ministry, don't assume that that's going to be there. But do believe it's possible by not believing everything they tell you to do and swallowing their cog system that you can still make use of the COG system to pull real education out of it, say a doctor of medicine degree, um, and come and then serve your community uh, in ways that people who are just going through the system never could, because you're going to think about it not in terms of getting a career somewhere else, but in terms of bringing a skill back to the community to serve and grow and live here. Isn't it weird? We don't think about this at all. Why? Because we live in a casino. What? Yeah, you should be listening to A Brief History of Power with Dr. Koontz and myself, two white guys talking about how these things really do matter, and you can see it coming. And did I mention 1970s Argentina this morning yet? Why would that matter? Why would that matter? I know. Have you heard the bit about how, isn't it funny? I'm going to say it this way. Wait, I don't want you to do an install right now. Thank you. Have you heard the bit about how um, (laughs) uh, uh, those who forget history are destined to repeat it? Has you ever stopped to think that maybe the people who say that don't read it? Anyway, (laughs) I'm just going to let you sit on that one for a bit. I think that's fun. So uh, homeschooling mom, the role of textbooks is very limited. They are a reference material. Unless they are serving, look at another install. Unless they are serving as, say, an, a, a tutor, which your math textbook is going to do. But your science textbook is, don't install. I'm having all these like automatic installs go on, and I haven't even been able to install the Mac OS yet. These are all four because apparently there's not room on my computer. How does a new computer, I don't have that much video in here. Anyway. I'm annoyed because I'm trying to talk to you and it keeps telling me I have to listen to it instead. This is why I I think these things are gods, whether we like it or not. There's nothing you can do about it. It insists you listen to it. It will not accept your rejection of it. It's it's incredible. Anyhow, um, it is the Matrix, guys. Watch it if you haven't. We're in it. Uh, It's just different. Uh, So textbooks. You want good reference books more than good textbooks. That's what I really want to get to. So if you understand that the textbook is a reference book, Then go find the best reference books you can. A good reference book on math, does it exist? It would just be a really good college textbook on math, right? So um, if you can see it that way, you want as many of these in the house as you can. You don't want to force people to read any of them except the math one. I think if you capture that and just, that's it, right? That's your answer. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you, homeschooling mom. There we go. Ooh, that one took it out of me. Lynn is here to say this, but I'm going to take a sip of water. Lynn says this, I see many quotes of Martin Luther on the internet, but I can't read it because, um, there we go. There was a pop-up message again. Uh, I see many quotes of Martin Luther on the internet, uh, but I would rather read them in context in the original work translated into the English at least. 
In your sermon on the 15th November, ooh, at 427 minutes, you mentioned that Luther gave thanks to God for certain widows' prayer. I do not remember. That's like one of the... Luther's like this, and it's frustrating, because Lutherans are like, Luther said, and, and we do it because he said good stuff, and then it's like Abraham Lincoln quotes. Like, where do you actually find this thing? And the internet doesn't know Luther nearly as well as it knows Abraham Lincoln, and even his stuff isn't that hard to, easy to find sometimes. So, uh, I don't know, and I never read it. It was said. <laughs> at the seminary. Um, that's awesome, right? Like it's a good quote, but I cannot, I cannot answer your little question of where I read it. And you just got to know that maybe, I don't know, it's only like, like 0.09% of Luther quotes, um, are not Luther quotes, but, but that is true. There are, there are quite a few mis uh, misattributions, uh, floating around out there too. One that is not misattributed, but I cannot give you the reference to, but it used to be on the Luther insult generator is when he wrote that the Pope is like mouse droppings in the pepper. And I thought that was quite clever. Any case. Um, so, uh, going on with uh, with yours, I, I can't tell you where to find it. Uh, such a widow is a saint to mimic. This widow, by the way, so the idea that Luther's getting at is that our prayer life is a real ongoing reality of the spiritual warfare of the world, light against the darkness, God's new cosmos against the old fading burning one, and that in the day that we cease to pray, as a, not the end of the world per se, but where we are, when we forget to pray, we are going to find collapsing taking place around us. And so he's saying that about Germany and saying, but we still got some people out there praying because it's not that bad yet, right? Well, yeah, right? It kind of, maybe, right now, sort of? I mean, how has been your, like, disciplined prayer life? Uh, probably not, right? So let's, let's, let's hear what Luther had to say, yeah? And um, she's a saint to mimic, as you say, Lynn. Uh, like Paul says to imitate him in Philippians 3, yes. It reminds me of Jesus' parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18, yes. Perhaps that is what Luther meant. I think so. He is probably, or not probably, he's definitely referencing the persistent widow. And uh, look, the chief duty of man is to hallow God's name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I don't think it's that tough to put that together. Um, the, mo the first thing you're supposed to say to God is that you're not him and that he's in charge of all things. Uh, to, to sing his praises is, is what we do, even when we don't sing. And, and the heavens and the earth are doing that uh, themselves. Now, there's a difference between singing his praises according to the first article which is just, anytime you hear good music anywhere, by the way, even if the words aren't that bad, if you can tune the words out, maybe sing some other words over the top of it, or simply reframe the words into being about your spiritual warfare, because they usually are, well, that's a gift from the first article, Father of all, through the pagan world. But the Christian knows that as good as that is, and as much as it works according to its rules, and we can play that game way better than we've been playing it, guys, really, we really can. Um, is, even though that is the case, it doesn't really happen without prayer, and the reason we've not been able to play it well, I'll come around circle for you yet, is because we've been trying to make it happen. We've been trying to save the world. We've been trying to make Christianity take place. We've been trying to make a Christian nation. Now, I'm not saying people aren't praying for it, I'm, but I'm saying you're praying for it and then go and do it to one anyway. <laughs> I think we should pray for it and wait. And do what he said, which is this basic stuff. Live together, right? Help your community. Uh, stop trying to, to win the casino. Um, and then pray every day for your community to be a place where your family can thrive and survive until Jesus comes back. Because that's not a guaranteed thing. The pact with death, the pact with death that America has made, whatever that means, the way
Isaiah speaks of the one with Jerusalem had made in its secret place that they thought death couldn't get to them, that they could stop it. Uh, it didn't end well. It didn't end well. So yeah, what, what do you need? Is You need people in Jerusalem praying against the pact with death. That people would be set free from their fear. That they would actually you know, walk into it uh, open-eyed. Huh. I mean, it, it, I think at this point, it's actually kind of silly to even imagine going and getting COVID on purpose. You just, just wait. If you haven't had already, you're gonna. And it's, that's not the point, right? The point is not to try to sacrifice yourself with recklessness. The point is to be reckless with what you know to be true. Be reckless with what you know to be true. The heel hem la mashal. I have to translate because there's no one else here to translate. It's I am to them a song. Um, yes, we Lutherans speak in tongues. It's called quoting the Greek and the Hebrew. And I want to teach you to do it. I'm not sure how yet, but you should beg your pastor. Uh, the widow. Yes. Reminds me of Jesus' parable of the persistent widow. So we want to be like her continually as American and or Western and or wherever you are, Christians, English speaking, I think, right? Um, we want to be imploring our Lord like that persistent widow for the king. And that means for the evil king that he would repent and that if he would not repent that he would be cast down and replaced by a good king. And that's, that's you have to pray that. Hallowed be thy name is actually praying that. You can do it all just by saying hallowed be thy name and thinking about it. <laughs> uh, or you can... Read the persistent window and think about what Luther said. What you said in your sermon, Lynn, goes on, uh, sticks. If you are not intentionally looking at things to imitate as a Christian, then you are imitating non-Christian things straight up. Straight up. Truth, Lynn. Uh, truth. That's a good amen, and I thank you for it. Imitation is life. The Philippians 3 text with Paul saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitation is life. And the imitation of Christ's book that sadly is a legalistic treatise, um, wasn't wrong in what it wanted. It was just stuck in medieval Rome still. Uh, so the idea that you do need to find someone to imitate who's a Christian, if you're a young man, yes. If you're a young woman, yes. Women imitate Christian women. Men imitate Christian men. Pastors imitate older, wiser Christian pastors. Uh, live by looking toward those whose children have justified their wisdom as jesus says yeah um so thank you for sharing your inspirational sermons oh you're welcome i mean i it's not really that hard to push the buttons and i guess my ego gets a little bit of a stroke out of it i just i just want us to know you know i just want us to know more and more i want myself to know a lot of times you hear me preaching for myself because i'm not invincible in this but this is just it. This is the uniqueness of the Christian father, is you've got the promises of God, prophet, priest, king, all boiled into one tongue. And you are given to speak as Jesus. Just quote him. <laughs> just quote him. You know, and then you're him there with all that he is. I mean, it's just, and the Bible's full of this. And again, it's hard to quote Jesus' Sermon on the Mount all the time. So Proverbs and Psalms, I'm just going to give you what you need to say. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I keep tangenting from everything. Let's go to, uh, to Nathan. Nathan says, Dear Rev Fisk, I'm considering becoming more politically active. Good. Um, and that means to get active in what your city needs. The polis is the city. Good. Uh, if Christians can also be soldiers, can they also be politicians? They should be. Look, I said it earlier. Like, you have two options. To acknowledge that the conqueror has been sent by God or to acknowledge that you're supposed to conquer. Those are two options. Look at the conqueror. 
What's it going to do? In America, getting involved in your local city is where you should really face it. Not by taking up arms in some militia band in the hills. Get involved in the system as it is. And if the day comes where they sniff us out and they kill us all, so be it. Uh, but until then, go get involved and stop letting people tell you that you have to leave your religion at home. Because frankly, the more you don't right now, the more likely people are going to vote for you. They're looking for anybody with some conviction who can meet their eye face-to-face and shake their hand. Nothing like a good ground game. Best advice you'll ever get in politics right there. Nothing like a good ground game. It's the only way to really win until this year. You could win bef- like that before this year, but usually not as big. A- I-, I don't even want to, you know, that's just me. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to let you tell me it's not because it's not. It's not. Open your eyes, people. Uh, we can certainly engage in the left-hand kingdom as members of society. Yeah, and we should. And I'm saying do it by getting involved in your city politics and the elections from two years from now. It's the best thing you can possibly do while also establishing your roots and getting out of debt and figuring out how to work with people to be subsistence living with everything you need from a library uh, to uh, to doctor, uh, you know, like a medical doctor, because they're going to be hard to get to through the state systems. So just, just look at the places that already have them. Um, I'll call England right now. Jeez. Um, so, 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 so. It's not falling down now. But as a Christian, you know it's going to fall down always. And you should always be preparing for the same thing, to build or to rebuild. Uh, and you do that again uh, by being aware of the city's needs. So to get politically active, before you would go do anything with a party, why don't you drive around the city? Take some paths that are not the paths people take. Find out where people live. Do it on a Sunday afternoon. Go see where people live on a, on a warm Sunday afternoon, a like good spring one. See what opens up in the neighborhoods you're afraid to go to. Talk to some people. Hi, I'm thinking about getting involved in politics. And I'm concerned that what I have and what you have are not the same. And I don't think the guys far away are going to give us a fair shake when they take it from me. I think we're all going to end up like this. Let's fix it. Try that one on for size wherever you are. Wherever you are, young man, run for president in 2070. Why not? Oh, it won't be here maybe. But but you can run for what? Leader? Father? Owner of the situation? Run for owner of the situation. Pendragon. Uh, now. Yeah. So absolutely. You can you can uh, be in it. Uh, let's see. Uh, can we engage in compromises inherent to rule in a democracy? Oh, that's a good question. I didn't catch that part. You must. It's the same as Luther's answer in soldiers being saved. Do you want to kill people? You don't want to. Do you? No, you do not want to. Do you want to kill people? No, you do not want to. But you're a soldier, so you're going to. Okay, do you want to vote yes for a package that has a lie in it, but is doing something that absolutely gets something through? No, you don't want to. What is the line? I like Dr. No's philosophy myself. If you don't know Ron Paul, Dr. No, I'm kind of with him on most of it. But, you know, all he can do is hold a congressional seat for a while and get his son into the Senate, which there's a history of this. And I'd like to trust Rand. Um, there's a history of this. So uh, generations. Brief history of power with Kuntz. Can I say it enough? Um, I think you have to anyway. The real thing to do is to see that what politics are in your city is the stepping stone for your city leaders from a generation ago to get out of the city and to either the state or the national level. And you go in and you just say, I'm never going to do that. Never going to do it. I'm not going to try to leave. And if you shove me from my, what, mayoral seat to a Senate race, you're going to have to shove me. Because I'll be doing everything for here. 
because that's what this is about, or it's not about nothing. So yes, you should be involved politically. I'd say you don't even have to get that far. Walk up and down your neighborhood. Shake hands with people that are there. I haven't done it yet. I need to. It's hard. It's hard. Go knock on doors, not to run for office, but just to know your neighborhood and say, hi, we live here. We have these ideas about how to help each other as a neighborhood. We, you know, we don't, we don't kill, we don't steal, and we're here to help. If you have a problem, you need some salt or sugar, or should you really be in danger one night, please come to our place. We're totally cool with it. Right. And just move through, be the person. Cheers, Nathan. You'll know what to do. You'll know what to do. Be someone who helps where you are, whatever that might mean. Oh, I do not want to install it right now. Thank you. Good morning. Name withheld. Hello, Pastor Fisk. Okay, you guys don't get a break. I'm double fisting my water with electrolytes and my coffee with stevia. Hello, Pastor Fisk. I have turned 15 recently. Ah, yes. And I would like to know how to become more mature emotionally and in the Lord? Such a good question, dude. Uh, I would like to be a father in the next 10 years, so by 25. Um, That is a noble task you desire. Uh, Commit your way to the Lord and not to your own vision of it. If you haven't started praying the Sons of Solomon prayers, you should. Psalm 127. Hold it not as, I'm gonna get it, but as, oh, he might never give it to me. Pray it that way now, and my guess is it comes right on time. So, uh, I would like to be a father in the next 10 years. God willing, God bless you and keep you. Yes. So keep going on that path. Believe that it's good to be a father. Believe that it's the first thing God made you to be after a husband, but that they're kind of the same thing. <laughs> Ultimately, in a perfect world, they're precisely the same thing. So, you know, Christ is a husband to us, as, as the Bible says. There, there is no tearing apart this idea. And it's built into nature so that right now across the world, I got a, I got a news flash from, is Wolf Miller here? Still, if he's here, I would rather have him talk about this. I want to know why he emailed this to me. Um, he emailed me. Wolf, Wolf Miller can call me on Skype. Uh, if you call me on Skype, I should be able to see it and pull you up right away. He emailed me something from the Monday morning memo, which I don't know very much about. Um, it's, it comes out every Monday. I put something out every Monday. And only, I guess there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a pattern there, a, a trajectory to follow if you want to start your own. Um, in it, it's like business stuff, I think. That's why Brian shared it in the past, but this time it wasn't business stuff. Uh, it was about the times we live in and the shifting of epochs and cultures. And apparently the guy has written a book about it, which I'm very curious about. It just is a little woo-woo for me on the surface. Um, but I'm, I, I, if I've learned anything this year is that woo-woo usually means we didn't want to actually figure out what's going on. Like, it might not be good still, but we just pretended it wasn't there, right? And we shouldn't do that. That's what I'm not going to do 2020 anymore. I'm just going to say, oh, this is what it looks like to me. I might be the only one, but that's the way I feel. <laughs> you know, I'll be happy to go and do the garden work while you guys save the world, because this is what I see when I talk. Um, so, uh, I'm distracted by the, the talk over there, which is awesome, by the way. We got, we got guests visiting Sons of Solomon event today, um, which is fantastic. Uh, but there was a better, a bigger, a more real point about growing into your manhood and owning it. I lost where it's going to go. So unfortunately, I won't be able to get it back that fast. We're going to go ahead and instead say, committing your way to God leading you. Oh, it was the, it was the Wolf Miller. Ha ha ha. I got it. It was the Wolf Miller thing. So the Monday morning memo. Um... He's suggesting we're at a point, a tipping point in history where the single thing that will matter most. I, I, I know nothing about this guy's background. This is as loony bins as the day is long as far as I know. It's, you know, he actually is howling at the moon at night. Um, but what he says is that 
2023, there is, and we can feel it, a shift in the need for masculinity on a millennium level. And anyone who is a man who stands now will, will be the front of the next era. And anyone who is not will be swept away into whatever the, the bond servitude that's coming will be. Um, now, we may still be bond servants. Who knows what's going to come? And maybe it's not even that bad. And we're all back to school by next, next January. Maybe. I'm, I'm, I, that's on my plans too, right? That one's easy. We can, we can kind of reboot that pretty quick. It's this other new one that's kind of hard to deal with. And like, like I just, oh, I don't know. I don't want to live blind. Yeah. So um, this guy, whether or not he's a Christian, what he demonstrates to me is that the need for masculinity is arising from beneath us as part of the created order's unwillingness to let the abominations be. And so you, young man, are living on the front of one of the greatest waves of history in which our Lord is going to demonstrate the power of being a father to the world. And maybe it only lasts two weeks until he comes back, and maybe it's another millennium. And maybe there's a millennium before he comes back. I don't think so. But Christians have thought it doesn't matter. Noah, days of Noah. How would you know what that was like? Eating, drinking, giving, and marriage, pretty much normal. Pretty much normal. So what should you do now, then? We should live normal in the belief that normal will continue until Jesus gets back. What's normal? It's not the 1950s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, or 1000s. Those are not normal, where you have things given to you. Uh, it's not normal. So uh, be ready to live in a world where things are not easy to get, and then be glad if they remain easy to get. That's kind of the advice I think we have, right? And that's where you're going. I'm saying you can't stop it. Like, if you don't like what I'm saying about manhood and this stuff, it's like, fine. You're the problem of the last, like, 500 years or something. Like, you, you have let go of the distinction between man and woman. And it's so chaotic and crazy right now, the king's going to start doing, practicing stuff on, on and possibly one of them, he says, is going to start practicing uh, kind of a, a magi-level voodoo intravenous magic on eight-year-old boys to make them women. Um, well, do you, do you think the king of all history is going to let that go for long. Um, he hasn't before. He hasn't before. And it's been more than one kingdom that has fallen. So again, it's about reading the, the world with your eyes open to the Bible, not the goofy pin the tail and the Antichrist stuff. I have no clue when the end of the world is, and I don't think it's soon. I don't even think the end of the U.S. is really that soon. But I do think that you should be aware that it could be by the end of your lifetime or the end of your kid's lifetime. And that if you're not training your kids to handle it, then I don't know if you're doing your job, right? And that's the, that's the struggle. That's the struggle. How do I, as a pastor, encourage you to do your job as a parent right now? There's just so many variables. There's so many variables to consider. It's, it's impossible. Uh, well, again, read your Proverbs. Don't listen to me. <laughs> I'm not, anything I say that's not what the Bible actually says, dismiss it as a potential myth at least, and then go and do your own digging. Be your own man, guys. And ladies, rejoice when brethren dwell together in unity. It happens when you're not in the room. Ja'an says this. Is this I, I, it may be a typo here, so sorry about the name if I got it really wrong. He says, who do I choose as a hero? Oh, I love this question. It's great. I need coffee for this. Paul for his faith, attitude of martyrdom, Luther for his fearlessness, 
fatherhood and example as a husband. Polycarp for his particularly stunning martyrdom. There's a couple of those, though. Uh, a, modern, a modern athlete or guy like Jocko for his work ethic and perseverance. A guy like Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt for his, well, be careful with him. He had a bad end. Um, uh, David for his trust in the Lord. And uh, by the way, if you want to look at a president to have as a hero, look at Garfield and go get the book uh, Destiny of the Republic. Uh, and You can audible it. It's a fantastic story. Um, why don't you know him? Yeah, that's exactly the question. Uh, and once I pick one, uh, how do I become more like him? Thank you, uh, John or Juan or Jan or it's awesome, whatever it is. Uh, uh, makes me think of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Not spelled that way, though. Um, okay, so... Paul is imitating Christ. I said earlier, life, a man's life and a woman's life, but life, first a man's life, is imitation. He imitates the Father. That's what the Son does. He imitates the Father. Who do you imitate? The Son. And you've been made his brother and heir. So now the Father is your Father too. And you imitate the Father by imitating the only begotten Son. Now Paul says in Philippians 3, it's hard to do. And as I said in the sermon last weekend, yeah, walking on water, uh, having the right answer in every situation. I mean, it's, it's, it's challenging. <laughs> right? So having him as your pure example is tough. And Paul actually says in Philippians 3, I'm here so you don't have to do this. My life is your, your imitation. So if you imitate Paul as your hero, you're imitating Christ as your hero. And as Paul is written in the scripture, you will have to have that happen. Like you, you can't really, be- I mean, I guess you could make an idol of Paul if you wanted to, but he's going to force you by his own words back to Jesus. So then you take that idea that Paul's authority as your hero is only by extension of Jesus' authority as the ultimate hero. But Jesus as the ultimate hero thinks it's more blessed to give than to receive, so he's not the only ultimate hero. He makes every hero who fights with him also an ultimate hero by virtue of extension and inclusion in his body. Does this sound like what the Bible says? Yeah, it kind of does. Why don't we... I don't know. We've been under the influence of the strange fire for a long, long time. Um, So you look at these men you listed there and I can find in every single one of them, I mean, David and Paul, let's throw Bible out for a second. Let's get Polycarp, Jocko, and Teddy. I can't, Polycarp, for Jocko and Teddy, I can find flaws. For Polycarp, I probably could find flaws. I don't know. There's not much much information. I'm pretty sure he'd be the first one to tell you. Oh yeah, I'm a little rough. My youth, mm, mm, bad ideas. So, by the way, youth and bad ideas. Youth, you want to not be dumb. Just know that. By being young, you have bad ideas. That's the definition of you. You don't have to remain this way. The Proverbs exist to give you good ideas. Just, I mean, trust me. <laughs> uh, so look at Teddy Roosevelt. Look at Jocko and see in them the imitation of Christ according to the letter of the law that is the Ten Commandments built into creation and see how God makes it work. It works. It's pragmatically true. The Ten Commandments bless your life. Does that mean the Tower of Siloam can still fall down on you? Yes, it can. That's what happens to Job. And Job learns this. It was for your good. And so look around because you're still alive. And at the very least, now's the time to be a hero. Get up and help people. Because that only happens after the collapse that the pagans bring about. Rewind that, guys. I mean it. Like, you, Are you in? Are you with me, guys? Rewind that. Rewind that. Um, and in that, in that point then, go and find whoever is a hero and believe that they're a reflection of Jesus already. And then seek where in the scriptures it shows you what that means. Things like what it means to have patience.
Uh, discipline. These are biblical words. Biblical words. Awesome stuff. Another one here. We got a what time we do. Oh, we got lots of time this morning too. I'm going to take another little break here, get some more water and come back to do this longer question. Y'all, 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 y'all just dust it around. Just going to install it right now. As soon as I come back, I love it. It's the same program coming back again. I appreciate the security and the desire to make sure everything updates, but it can wait guys. Notification syndrome is a thing. Have you talked to your doctor about it? You can't because he won't know what it means. But it means you're tired of seeing too much come across your face and need to ponder it. Speaking of which, where was this conversation? I was just looking at it in the side. Oh, that's not the one. Here we go. Uh, Jordan says this in the comments this morning. I don't know why Pelosi and Biden have not been excommunicated over their abortion stance. And uh, Ryan says back, uh, the Pope is not for abortion. But I think most prominent Catholics in politics favor abortion. And then later he says, I can't square this. And uh, the answer is, uh, I believe the phrase is fuchsia mafia. I think that lavender, excuse me. (laughs) The fuchsia rider lives. That's a complete inside joke from some high school kid that I taught years ago. Anyway, um, uh, it's the lavender mafia. Just Google that. Uh, maybe not Google, maybe not Google, maybe DuckDuckGo that um, and uh, and see if you can start to start to square some of the things about Rome being a medieval kingdom of pedophiles. What's in our confessions? I'm not really out on a limb here at all. And there's many good Christians fighting it in Rome. Um, we can't talk to them. We just tell them they have to leave Rome as soon as we talk. And so they don't listen to us. <laughs> But they actually agree with us on like a lot of stuff. So it's it's strange, this being a Catholic Christian thing for reals. There are Catholic Christians in Roman Catholicism, but Roman Catholicism is not a Catholic Christian institution. It is a very wealthy medieval monarchical empire that has lost a lot, a lot of its power, and yet also is playing a long game because it knows how and is run by a, can I call him a syndicate? Would that be about right? I think that's about right. Do you notice how recently the syndicate removed? Uh, what what is it called again? It's like the face of the syndicate, and that's not right. That's not the right terminology. But you know, the the speaker, the voice, the living breath of the hidden syndicate. Uh, you know, <laughs> the hidden council. Um, uh, didn't they remove that person and and put them in exclusion? Or at least that's that's what the whistleblower said. Whistleblower is something to think about there on that one, but. Ah, listen to the whistleblowers. If you don't know what's up with the Catholics, listen to the whistleblowers in the Catholic Church. If you don't know what's up with the U.S. government, Edward Snowden's a good introduction. Good introduction. Joe Rogan, like six hours of that right there. This guy worked for him. You think he's been helped by any of this? You should really just, six hours. It, I know, um, you know, you know what, uh, t- Bob Costas can't really quite be Bob Costas the way you thought he was. And, and I've said this already, Marv Albert, well, you know, that should have taught you a lesson. It didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't see it. Cancel culture is only momentary if you do your obeisance. Uh, oh, goodness. And it's just about feeding the beast and the machine. So that was a fascinating thing. I recommend you go and see that there are, not, Ryan, the answer to your question is that within Rome, there are societies that exist to be Christian while still in Rome. That's why they're effectively there, even if they don't say it that way. They trust too much in the structure of the Pope, but we ourselves confess that it is the structure of the ancient church and that we're a part of it. And we, we should pray for the Pope for that reason and that he'd be restored to repentance. Uh, is he the only face of the end time of Antichrist? No, of course not. There are many Antichrists, but he certainly is one big gleaming example of it. Um, and so that's why. <laughs> 
don't expect the Church of the Antichrist to actually do its job, even though you can find great Christians like ACB coming out of that same church, right? The war's there with the hypocrites, just like it is here. Uh, the hypocrites are, <laughs> I need a Buzz Lightyear one, hypocrites are everywhere. Um, golly, what was it? I was reading this morning, Matthew 24. You guys, you guys like Jesus, right? Like you think Jesus is cool and stuff? Everyone loves Jesus. Love Jesus, love, he's so nice. If that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delayed in coming, the master of the servant, I'm skipping a verse, uh, the master of the servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him. And an hour he's not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, Matthew 24, uh, 48, and then 50 and 51. I skipped 49 because... I think people might use that to think it's not talking about them. Like they look at it, they go, oh, it's not about me. Thank goodness. And I think, I think maybe, maybe you just need to like, um, <laughs> uh, well, take it seriously. The, the Lord's going to cut people into. That's what he said. I mean, it doesn't have to be literal for it to be what it says. There was a, uh, a, uh, Anakin Krenjwecker had a super chat from earlier. I want to make sure we don't miss that. He says this, America's thesis was that if we divided powers, we would avoid absolute power. We can see now, instead, you just get three absolute powers vying for absolute power, really. You get three powers vying for absolute power because there must be one. There can be only one. That's the Pendragon principle right out of the Highlander. It's pretty cool, and it is what it means to be a Pendragon. There can be only one Pendragon in any given room. Only one father of the actual children, right? And after that, it's about how we decide who we're following and whether we'll be honest about where the power is, not about whether we can split the power up. Yeah, right. Let's cut the ring in pieces and send it to three corners of the earth and then pray to it. And then Sauron will be kept at bay. Uh, okay, thank Ad Admiral Ar Akbar. It didn't work. Um, so anyway, that's just, I don't know if he actually said that, Adam, Admiral Akbar, but I haven't read all the extended Star Wars, user, Star Wars universe and fan fiction, which is not canon. So instead of fighting, <laughs> sorry it's scary to be in Gen X. You who are younger, who are going to be able to get your kids out of the mind machine, um, you're going to see a different kind of humanity than we poor, poor movie-quoting people. Um, I must go rescue the people who need more movie quotes in their conversation with my wit. What if we applied that to the Bible? I mean, really. Uh, Anakin, you got, me, you got me waxing again. What if we applied that to the Bible? Okay, anyway. We can now see, instead, just get the absolute power fighting for itself, right? And devouring itself. Dividing power multiplies it. Interesting how God made things, right? So if, it, it, if you divide the kingdom, it will multiply the atrocities within the kingdom, right? You'll just have more bad kings. What you really need is a worldwide good king. We're never going to get that short of Jesus coming back. Even should a Christian be there, it still would not be a perfect system. <laughs> it really would not. But I don't think that should stop us from acknowledging that the one of the flaws of the American experiment is the belief that you can't, you don't need an absolute monarch at the end of the day. You don't need a father because that's what it is. We've suggested you don't need a father. And what we're having happen is that anywhere where there are no fathers, it's collapsing. And I'm suggesting then, good, be a father in your house and everything will fall down around you. And maybe you die and go to heaven, but more than likely, everything falls down around you. You have just as much as you need on the other side. You see what no one else can. And people are asking you why. And Christianity will do what Christianity does. We'll talk people into why we are not afraid of what just happened. And we're ready for it, in fact, because we had our eyes wide open, not shut. Have you seen that movie? Don't watch it. Read about it. 
um, or listen to a brief history power with me and Kuntz. All right, we're gonna go here, right? No, 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 no. We're gonna do this. And then we're gonna be here where, oh, it almost worked. Let's see here. There we go. There we go. And that's not gonna be a real good view for anybody, is that? Let's see, can I fix that? No, look at this. Oh my goodness. Uh, dude, dude, that'll do it. All right, that helped. This is from my book, Talk Them Into It. We're on page uh, 22. I should hold up the nice picture of the book for the camera shot. If you have not got yourself a copy of the book, it is free in digital format. You just have to sign up for that Mad Mondays News E magazine that we send out every Monday, filled with data mind stuff for your Christian worldview and thoughts about living in a present darkness that is in fact filled with liars telling all sorts of myths that you might have just believed a little bit too much of for most of your life. But we're here to support you and say it really hasn't changed nearly as much as you think and you got plenty of time to stand up and make sense of things. That's what the newsletter is for. You get a free copy of this book which should help you make sense of how to talk to your friends and neighbors about Jesus. It's a lot easier and slower than you thought perhaps and you might even enjoy it by the time you're done. We're going to be looking again at page 22 right now. That is how you you say and what you say are one but not the same. And, and before I go further, just in case you don't know this, the book is not really intended for you to read it like plow straight through the thing. I mean, you, you can try. It might work. But the book is intended for you to take one chapter a day. They're about a page long. You see it right here on the screen and put that with your devotions in some way. If this is your prayer book you carry with you, Sons of Solomon, it's not going to do you too much harm. So uh, the goal is to slowly question the assumptions of evangelism with the certainty of the gift of conversation and love and discipleship as a bona fide, not just metaphor from the New Testament, to take that and combine it with the confidence we have in the resurrection of Jesus and to just well, give you that confidence first in the belief that that's what's going to start coming out of your mouth. And then once you do that, people are going to start believing it because that's what it says it's going to do. Right? That's what the book's about. And just because I said it, you understood it doesn't mean you shouldn't read the book. In fact, you should read it over and over again. That's what I'm doing. I didn't make all this stuff up. I got it from other people that are smarter than me. I just put it in one place for you to find it. <laughs> uh, that's it. That's it. Uh, talk them into it. You can find it also on Amazon.com in paperback, and you might want to do that too. Uh, people hear what you say by means of how you say it. This is Media Ecology 101. This is the idea that not only does the medium shift the message, to some extent the medium is the message. And so no matter what you think you said, no matter what you think you said, if they're angry, either you knew they were going to be angry or you didn't say what you think you said. And you can sit there and say it's their fault as much as you want. But at the end of the day, you're the, you're the fool who spoke in such a way that engendered their anger, if at the very least by not knowing that what you were going to say was beyond their comprehension. Which, if you're talking to a fool, will generally be the case. And if you're afraid that I said someone might be the fool, I recommend you read the book of Proverbs. The fool is a real thing. You're going to find them in the world. And you want to deal with the fool, well, according to what the proverb says, which is wisely. <laughs> which is not according to his ways, but according to other ways. And if you have no one who's not a fool to imitate what you're going to do. Again, is it a sales pitch? Am I getting money for saying this? Read the book of Proverbs. <laughs> So, uh, but then know that when you speak what you're saying, it doesn't always convey the message your head thought you sent. And this is why you are more likely to buy a tool from a nice salesman. This is a fact. If you've never read or heard of the book Influence, you should Google the book Influence or look for it on Amazon.com. It's there. It's about how they who control the media 
know that you cannot resist their messages. No matter what you do, no matter how smart you are, even if you know it's wrong, they know if they do it just right, they can control your mind over time. You should get the book. It's not really a corner-hidden book. This is like kind of a mainstream book. Um, you know, I heard about it on Tim Ferriss, but you might want to look into this one. The fact is, when you bought the tool from the nice salesman, if the salesman hadn't been there, there's a significantly lessened chance you would have bought the tool. And if he was mean, there's a definite chance you would not have bought the tool, even if you went there to buy the tool. What you say and how you say it are not the same. So the delivery of words and meaning are one and the same in the experience. They come at us as one thing, but in practice, they're two completely different things. The sounds of my mouth and what you thought I said are completely separate from each other. And you are the author of your own understanding of it by means of what other framework and words come into it. So, of course, if God is the author of that framework by means of the scripture being the primary thing that comes into you, well, then you're going to engage that with the framework, everything else. But if your framework is just the movies you've been showed your entire life and a little smidge of the Bible, well, then that's how you're going to engage it. Huh? So in practice, what's going on with your words and what's going on inside your head is a very different thing. But then the words take on the meanings and they can, they can adjust your head. They move you. They convert you. That's what conversation is, right? Um, the question is, at what point is the language barrier so big you can't even hear anymore? Or maybe to put it another way, at what point is your ability to only talk in movie quotes making you incapable of reading or understanding a paragraph? Does it happen? Could it happen? Are you watching? Are you listening? It's kind of interesting. Huh? Sloganeering is a thing. It's like actually a language, I think. Um, in any case, not such are you because you read the Bible and the Proverbs. So since you're smart and under especially, there's just no way for this to happen to you. You're going to realize what a waste of time most of the learning you did on TV and video ever was and get to the real stuff, which is the books. In any case, it's kind of a tangent point. The point here that you got to drive home is that when you're talking to someone who's not a Christian, before you can go and say, he is risen and this is really meaningful until you know where he is or who he is or if he even speaks your language, like you're just going to seem like a loon shouting at him or somebody tutting him, or again, any random person trolling him. So you're going to need to learn how not to be a troll when you deal with people who are particularly not Christians, which makes them by nature troll-ish even. And there's differences. There's times to not deal with a troll. Um, but there's also times to realize that, um, well, the next line says, many smart people are complete idiots. Uh, yes, many smart people are complete idiots. They know a lot of stuff but they can't put two and two together, not cross disciplines. Uh, and at the same time, the Bible says this very clearly, even a fool is thought wise if he holds his tongue. So right there, if you're trying to talk to a friend who is not a Christian, first know that the fact that they're not a Christian and don't believe in Jesus means that they're a certain kind of idiot, a fool, the Bible calls them. That doesn't mean they're not smart. That doesn't mean they don't have good things in their life. Doesn't mean God isn't blessing them in lots of ways, actually, outside of Jesus. Just unto hell at this point. Remember that, and then remember that if you just keep your tongue a little bit tight and listen to this person talk, they're going to think you're wise. And they're going to start to listen to you when you do talk. Now, the father's duty to his family, then, is to learn what to teach with that knowledge as he engages his family this way. And how to speak with wisdom so that his family, his kids, hear it where they are. Right. So your children are a training ground for these kinds of conversations. The Christian's duty to his God is to learn what to tell the world that you believe and how not to be a 
uh, a donkey, <laughs> as, as uh, Ramsey would say. Uh, how not to be a donkey about it. Uh, so one of the goals of this book is to get all of us Christians to slow down and realize that maybe people are not listening to us because we sound like a bunch of jerks when we talk and we just don't even realize it. We're like, well, you should have to listen to us because we're speaking the truth. And it's like, but we're jerks. <laughs> Like, why would people join the club where you don't want to go because all you ever do is feel bad for all the weight people put on you there? I, really? Right? And like, we're sitting here arguing about how we can like put a light show in the club to make people come. <laughs> this is our religion. It's sad. It's just sad. Oh, man. Hey, Internet. My name is John Fisk. And we're going to go to, what do we got? Time here. We got 15 minutes. How about this? I don't know. What are you saying in the comments? I need something from you guys to inspire me for our closing segment here. We got at least 15 minutes. We had a great Sons of Solomon event going locally here. It's not really like official Sons of Solomon so much as our local group, which is just guys getting together at the end of the month, every month, in order to shoot, uh, to practice firearm safety at targets so that we're able to be at the beck and call of our local sheriff should we ever need to help him in an emergency situation. We want to be able to be the best citizens we can be, and that's happening today. So just starting your own Sons of Solomon group where you are does not mean you have to use firearm maintenance and safety as your platform, but may I suggest to you at this time in history, you might find it works better than anything else you try to get men at church to do. I was blown away. I've been trying to get people to do things for years at many churches with lots of things. And when I saw, what was it, 9, 10, 12 men standing in a, in a clearing in the rain and cold the first time we did a, a wrong-timed event, I went, huh, maybe there's a need. Rick Warren. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember that and what he said and why he was wrong and why he was right. He was more wrong than right. And anybody who followed him then, well, you're going to find it out, I think, if you haven't already. Um, but he was right about this. Your, do- your job, pastors, overseers, whoever you are, fathers of the Christian community, Pendragons, wherever you are, your task is to assess the ground in real time with the scriptures. That's your task. Every day. Believing that God has given you a voice that will change the world. You don't even need to worry about picking up the gun for the gun's sake, because those who live by it will die by it, and someday you might need to, to defend your neighborhood. But until then, remember that the Christian's martial art is just taking another breath and waiting so that they stop attacking, so that you can convert them. You're willing to be that one, even as you're willing to go and do the work of protecting the civilization. If that's what, I mean, you don't want to let the barbarian take over. If you're good, but if you're, if you're good underneath bad, well, it's up to God then, isn't it now? And you got to tread carefully. And I'm going to tell you, American citizenry and Lutheran theology. Lutherans, we don't have a, a, a history for this. We have a history of what you do with kings and what you do in like business organizational settings where there are no problems. We don't have something for what happens when the democracy doesn't work and falls apart, burning and crashing around you. No one has done that as Christians that we're aware of. And so, especially with the command not to kneel to the king, but to defend the Constitution. From the Constitution. Uh, So what do you do? You know, all I can do is lay it out there for you. That's what I'm wrestling with. What does that mean? Um, I was raised by Lutheran schools to salute a flag, but some men are burning down and sometimes for good reason. Although I don't think it should fall, 
But if it does, I have to be ready to believe that Jesus did that. And certainly we've killed a third of my generation in innocent blood and spilt it on the grounds of our cities through this abortifacient eugenics project that's trying to exterminate black people. It sure looks like it. I'm just going to say it. It sure looks like it, guys. You pro-abortion, it sure looks like you're trying to exterminate black people. It really does. <laughs> and you follow the money, and you follow the train. Wow, looks bad. So, you know, whatever. I'm not in charge of that. And the, the blood guilt that the Lord will bring upon this nation, that's up to him too and when he's going to do it. I'm praying for repentance. I'm praying that the whole society would repent. I'm praying that those of us who do repent will be sheltered. Uh, that we would be wise according to the scriptures as Proverbs 22, 23. No, excuse me, 22, 3 says. I read it like three times today. Go look it up. Proverbs 22, 3. Uh, according to that, you see what's coming. You acknowledge what's coming. And you be the best person you can be where you are. If you're a father, that means you protect your own. And if you're a man, it means you help protect everyone. <laughs> yeah, uh, and owning that that can't hurt us no matter what if we're back swinging at pinatas and playing xbox in february and everything's great there's no more problems and the world looks fine no harm no foul you're gonna have picked up a few tools you're gonna learn how to work on your own house like these are things that really aren't going to be bad and frankly they're more fun than the video games anyway when you figure out that minecraft is the fake version of your house yeah you can go to the netherworld and like die okay that's super cool and all really it's about the drug of the blue light that's really what it's about and so just admit it you do Minecraft, right? And by the way, I'm not going to knock this too hard. Have you joined the Mad Christian Minecraft server? Uh, have you joined the Mad Christian Discord? You should. I plan to get into the Minecraft server soon, so I'm not telling you don't go there. I'm not telling you Minecraft's not a good tool for teaching young people how to think about creation, build, and engineering. It's great for that, right? Uh, and even computer logic and, and gates and circuits and all this kind of stuff. But what I am going to say is that if the game isn't preparing you to actually live, then the game is wrong. And so working with redstone should transition into working with electricity. And you should do that for the sake, not of saving money for yourself, but of wiring your neighbor's house and teaching your son how to wire. So in the event that there's no food or there's a shortage, you have something to share with others. Work with your hands. Yeah? We live in an awesome time, people. It was like one of the coolest times to be alive ever. 2020. It's even rhyming, like with history. It's 2020. You know what 2020 vision is? You can't make this stuff up. You really can't. Uh, it's wonderful. The Lord may or may not return, and we all have to live as if he's going to. That's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> it's great. We're in the present moment, and we keep trying to get out of it. We want to have a pact with our deaths. And Isaiah is so very clear. You don't get to make a pact with death. If you try, he'll tear it down. So the more that we as Christians just stop trying to have a pact with death and let it blow over, the more it's going to blow over. Where it doesn't blow over will be people trying to stop the pack with death. Right? They try to have it, trying to not die. And if, if COVID isn't the greatest example scientifically from the real science, and there's a lot of it and you got to dig through it, but it's pretty clear. Like you can't hide from it. You, you cannot hide from this. It's really amazing. It's going to get to you. Or I mean, the guy, I, I watched a doc documentary once. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, uh, called Off the Grid. Before you go pick up the hobby farm without electricity, watch this movie. Um, <laughs> uh, off the Grid. Uh, the guy who's living in the middle of nowhere, like turning his own poop into the soil he uses to grow his food, who, who can't speak language very well at all, um, he might not catch COVID, right? He doesn't see anyone but the people who visited him once to film him and then leave, right? So he's his pact with death is a different thing, whatever that might mean. Um, the point being, it doesn't even matter. COVID, Schmovid, and aside, whatever we decide can't kill us as humans is either going to kill us or damn us. 
<laughs> Unless it's Jesus. And then you recognize Jesus can and will kill you, and it is his killing you that makes you alive. So that even the present suffering in this veil of tears only serves to remind you, his rod and his staff, a comfort to you. That the pain revealed before your eyes, that he prepares a table before you beyond this age, in the presence of these enemies, and it overflows. Not just to you, but to all around you, so that it remains a certainty that goodness and mercy and steadfast loving kindness and faithfulness are going to follow you all the days of your life simply because you're a Christian. And if you say, well, I don't believe that, well then, well, that's what Christians believe. Do you want to? It's just Psalm 23. You should use it. Like every day. I do that too. It's not in the Sons of Solomon prayers. What? Yeah, you can do more. Um, I have a kind of a weird goal. I really do though. I want to be this much of a wizard. I literally quote scripture all the time. Like that's my conversation. I mean, I'll do a show like this. We'll talk, we'll have a conversation like this. But like around my house with my kids, like I don't want to do anything except for quote scripture. Like, and I want to do it in the original language. <laughs> I'll translate it until I don't have to anymore. Uh, um, I don't think I can actually achieve this, but it'd be really cool. And I'm, I got the rest of my life to try. So why not? That's a better game. That's a better game. Make your life a better game than the one that's selling you on the fake news, whatever fake news you've decided not to listen to today. (laughs) And get yourself back into the scriptures. Realize that now is the time to build. Don't hide to hide. Hide to build. Begin building quietly and well. The guy who asked the question earlier about politics, that's exactly right. Run for Congress in two years starting now. Walk your neighborhood, start talking to people. Do it. Do it. Run for the Senate. You want to get the real dirt out. <laughs> you might not be able to get there. It might not be worth it. I don't know. Run for mayor. Run for sheriff. Run for library board. Stop the transvestites from coming through and dancing. You could. Did you know that? Or are you too busy spinning? Notification syndrome. Do what they tell you to do. Be a good person. It'll all work out fine. Governor Prisker of Illinois shut the state down again. Just in time for Thanksgiving, the, the mayor tweeted out, um, stay at home for Thanksgiving. I, I really, I really, I really wonder. I really wonder, Mayor. Um, I do. I, I tweeted back to you. I don't know you don't listen to me, or, or maybe you don't. Maybe you do. I don't know. I hope you do. Um, I'm your friend, actually. Uh, but <laughs> I hope after you tweeted it out, you're not going anywhere on Thanksgiving. I really do. And, and the fact that Prisker tweeted it out and then flew to Florida, which is not shut down, blows my mind. I'm, I'm sorry. I can't say he did. His daughter did. His family did. It's a death threat or a violence threat or mean talk or something they from their elite world shut down the state and then let the people who matter leave the state to go rest where there's no shutdown and where there won't be because florida says we'll never shut down again and god bless them because they understand what's actually going on this really shows you the value of the dispersed states by the way even though the civil war put an end to it more or less it seems that maybe it will rise again not so much as the south i think what you haven't said is the fracturing of a fake pack with death that might have been made sometime around the, I don't know, late 30s, early 40s, and had to do with like a trust in certain technologies of medicine, uh, certain technologies of communication to bind the people together. The kind of thing the Nazis might themselves have been working on, the Americans might have found in a basement somewhere, maybe even a demon who they spoke to themselves, and he promised if they formed a UN organization, he'd save the world. I don't know. I don't know, and I don't care. That's the point. That could be a great novel. Take it, write it. It's a great novel. It doesn't matter. What matters? What the proverb says? A wise man sees trouble coming and hides. I can look out my window. I got green grass right now. I got a blue sky. I'm pretty safe. I don't need to hide. But I can look at my national government and I can see they're about to fight. And so I can think about what it means on the other side of hiding. 
I can think about whether hiding means run. Everyone's got a go bag, right? Why don't you have a stay bag? Why don't you have a stay and help bag? Why don't you have a stay and die confessing the faith bag? Get that one ready. And then if nothing happens, it's Christmas. Great. (laughs) You know? And it's been the best real-life RPG you ever had for the next couple of months. But if you're not prepping in some way for change that probably will involve your ability to get everything you want whenever you want it, unless you submit to the new whatever, well, roll those dice. I'm just thinking, like, we need to learn how to grow some food over the next 20 years here, and that maybe in 100 years that might really matter. I'm hoping that's we got that much time. But, you know, I'm also praying Jesus comes back before the end of the show. He hasn't yet. We could just sit here for five minutes. That'd be fun. Uh, questions from the side. Here we go. Here we go. We still got five minutes. I definitely want to hear from you. Oh, do I get another of these? Hold on. Check this out. Uh, I think this is a new one, right? Uh, Rucker throws another super chat out here. Idea close to something Kuhn said. Um, build our own institutions. Other dissident circles are saying this. He's saying, you're right. That's right. So Eric Weinstein got mentioned in the comments earlier. If you actually know the guy, you mentioned him as your friend. I'd love to talk with the guy. Would you let me interview that guy? I would love to do that if you can get that connection going. Um, but, uh, you know, he would be a dissident, right? He's a liberal dissident. He's a leftist dissident. And I don't mean that in like a snide way. Um, it's just what he is. Uh, and I like him a lot because he's seeing what we're seeing. He's recognizing we have to build our own institutions again. The institutions we have, even the good ones, can't survive the system that's collapsing, which they were built upon with some foundational stuff. But again, goes back to Delaware usury at some point. And you got to follow that thread. Um, this brief history of power is me following that thread with Kuhn, who already has the thread pretty much tugged on, right? And it's not even that surprising. It's just rich men doing what rich men do. It looks like every other corrupt government in history and so it's not that hard to figure out what's going on unless you want to believe that america's so special that it can't have the christians suffer which i might suggest to you is kind of how we've been looking at it yeah call me nuts build our own institutions i think we should recognize that the uh trust is the currency that is right and why are our institutions failing is there any trust in them not a lot. Not a lot. Uh, Christian virtue has uh, value there and here. And I- indeed, they will know we are Christians by our love is a terrible song. You should never sing it. But it also is in the Bible a fact that our virtue will demonstrate to the world what we actually believe. And if we show them that we don't believe what we say we believe, they're not going to believe us. It's just math again. You know, do some math. It helps. Stop letting the notifications tell you how to write. Get off it. Write on some paper. Let it expand and think. Do some math problems from a book, and you might say, I feel my brain working again. What is this thing called knowledge? I need it. But you'll feel the pull back to the blue light. You'll be like, oh, I just want to sit and play Fallout again. It's just so easy to like never have it do what I want and constantly never oh, forever. Thank goodness it's a buggy game, and I'm, I'm done. I'm done, right? So again, Minecraft server, if you haven't been on it, you should be, but recognize that the Minecraft server exists to be a place for us to uh, engender value in technology, see the good things in learning across cross platforms. And I mean, what Minecraft does so well is it brings multiple platforms of learning into one game, and then you put Christianity over the top of that, which is what the server ultimately is going to be, a place for sons and fathers and daughters to, to, to run and hide and dig with your own place. I can't wait to get involved myself. To do that, you got to go to the Mad Christian Discord to do that. I believe there's a link in the show below. If not, we make it hard because, frankly, we're a, um, what is that called? A guerrilla movement. Yeah, so it's not easy for you. 
look, it's a cosmic horror world. I'm, I got plenty of clues I'm trying to find. You want me to fix your clues for you? No wonder your game's boring, right? Oh, goodness gracious me. That didn't work at all. Why does that not work? That's amazing. So this one just disappeared. We did this earlier several times, and the clip won't go. So that could have been a really cool ending. Thank you all for watching the show. It's time to go hang out with some men today and remember that the Saturday morning chill is chill because, uh, well, the dude does not abide, but the abiding word of Jesus does. And it gives you the fruit of the spirit that is patience. Patience. A inner fortitude of the mind driven by the ability to not talk, just breathe and activate the verb of trusting what you know Jesus has said over and against all the stories of the world. Vahi l'ashem l'amashal. I am to them a song. Was that worth a dollar? Click the Patreon link in the show notes to sign up. Pretty please? <laughs>